Hello and welcome to Etsy Ketsy. This is our second episode and it's called Camelot. Good to be back. Welcome back, everybody. <sighs> Truly, a warm, warm welcome. Totally. Oh, it just <laughs> feels so good to be back here. <laughs> I honestly can't think of anything I'd rather be doing than this podcast right here, right now. Um, what's today's date? It's a Saturday? Today is February 20th. February 2021. 20th. Cool. Good to be alive right now. Perseverance just landed on Mars. Yeah, Perseverance just landed on Mars. Very exciting. It's going to try to find either life forms that are currently alive on Mars or evidence of previous life on Mars. Yeah. Chances of it finding currently living life forms, very <laughs> low. <laughs> Who knows? No. Who, I, anything can happen. I'm going to officially say right here in public, on this public forum, I don't think Perseverance will find anything. I think it'll find lots of interesting things, but okay. no, probably not signs <laughs> of life. No, I mean life. any life is what I meant. <laughs> uh, you gotta specify. You're right. You're you just so said, right. I don't think it'll find anything, and that's just not true. You know what? Screw it. I don't think it'll find anything. I think it'll break. It'll like trip you have over already some... been proven wrong. Have it'll... you heard the audio? It'll trip over some Martian rock and just like break. <laughs> Wait, what audio? There's audio from Mars. It recorded audio from Mars. You can listen to it. But it sounds exactly what you think it would sound like. Does it just sound like an atmosphere? A barren atmosphere? Yeah. It yeah. sounds like I could have told you that. <laughs> That is a perfect depiction. Wait, <laughs> um, cool. Doesn't sound anything like that. Take us away, Olive. All right. So this week we watched the 2016 film Jackie, and I think we're both pretty, uh, pretty excited about this movie choice. Yes, yes, we are. I'm glad we watched it. I forget why we chose to watch it but I'm glad we watched it. No idea? It. Yeah. It was a really good film to sort of take a deeper dive in than we normally would without a podcast. So I'm excited to get into it. We should explain a bit about the background of this movie, what this movie is, to those yeah. who aren't familiar. So, um, so it's a movie all about Jackie Kennedy. It's this really intimate portrayal of her between the assassination of John F. Kennedy to this interview um, for Life magazine about the assassination, which takes place about a week later. Um, and it's just this really quiet, mm, vulnerable movie. Yeah, super intimate portrait, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, a week after JFK's assassination, and Jackie Kennedy is in every single scene, and it's just yeah. all about her to try to give the audience uh, an idea of what it was like for her to be her in this really sad week. Yeah. So I didn't know very much at all about Jackie Kennedy before watching this movie. Here's what I knew. Me either. 
I knew that she was, I knew I was somewhat familiar with the idea of Jackie Kennedy as this fashion icon. I knew she was the first lady and I knew that there was some Kennedy family curse where like (laughs) they just had a lot of bad luck. A lot of them died in various unlucky ways. Um, and I knew that she had given a White House tour. I think I had yeah, seen part about... of the video. I didn't know the context of that tour. I just knew mm-hmm. that there was a CBS White House tour um, <laughs> led by Jackie Kennedy. And that's about the extent of what I knew yeah, about I th- Jackie Kennedy. I think that's about the extent I knew about her, too. Although I think I did know that she gave the tour because she had done a lot of redecorating. Right. So I guess I had that over you. <laughs> Congrats. Um, yeah, so, so how familiar were you with her? You, like, you probably yeah, saw really her on not Pinterest much more than you. or Tumblr. Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, like you said, she was kind of a fashion icon. Um, so I definitely have pinned pictures of her on my Pinterest and used her as outfit inspiration. Um, one of my friends went as Jackie Kennedy for Halloween. Shout out to Eleanor. Um, <laughs> that was a couple years ago, and she borrowed my coat for it. Oh, so. sick. Which coat? Uh, this pink, like, pea coat. She was trying to channel sh- pink Chanel. Exactly. Jackie Kennedy. She even Kennedy. made, like, the pillbox hat and everything. With the pillbox hat? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Eleanor. Very iconic look. Shout out to Eleanor. So, to give some additional background on this movie, it's directed by a Chilean director. Um, his name mm-hmm. is Pablo Larraín, um, I believe is how it's pronounced. That's how it's spelled. So, he's directed... He directed a bunch of movies set in Chile. And now he's working on a film about Princess Diana leaving Prince Charles when they're on Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. He also did a movie about Pablo Neruda, who's the Chilean poet and also communist. Um, so I want to watch his other movies because they, yeah, they, they actually all look pretty good. I'm always excited when I find a new director that I haven't, I guess he's not new, but new to me, director, that I haven't seen any of his movies except one that I love. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Which happens, honestly, quite a lot. There isn't much of a plot. It's mostly vibey, and then there's some scenes showing her the dynamics of her relationship with Bobby Kennedy and how they're both grieving and both reacting to each other. Oh, there's also a lot with Greta Gerwig's character. Greta Gerwig is actually in this movie. Which I had no idea. No, and I didn't recognize her at first. Me either. She was like sitting behind Jackie in this one scene where they're at a White House party. And I was like, oh, that kind of looks like Greta (laughs) Gerwig. Huh. And then she just kept popping up and eventually I was like, oh no, that's Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig is great um, in this movie. Which, yeah, she was amazing. She that didn't was... get enough screen time. She's great. No. 
But that was a really interesting relationship to see play out on the screen. Greta Gerwig plays Jackie Kennedy's assistant, secretary, something. Well, her name was Nancy Tuckerman. She knew Jackie before she was first lady, like kind of a, a friend, and then went on to be part of her life as first lady as well. It's one of the most beautiful films I've seen recently. Um, honestly, maybe one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Yeah, it uh, looks great. It looks really good. It, oh, possibly, yeah, very possibly my favorite color grading of any movie. Um, the color grading in this thing is insane. It's so good. The cinematographer is a French dude named Stéphane, Stéphane Fontaine. Stéphane Fontaine. He also shot The Prophet. Have you seen that movie? Mm-mm. It's really good. It's about this Muslim guy who's at this French prison. Um, so awesome. Stéphane shot this movie on super 16 millimeter film stocks. So it has this gorgeous grain, great color, and it's just a really bold choice, I think. And I think yeah. they made that decision to shoot it on 16 millimeter to be able to merge it with archive footage in that seamless way. Yeah. I love when movies will make a choice like that um, and it's sort of warranted. I think a lot of times directors will be will think, oh no, let's shoot on this special film or something like that just to do it. And so I appreciate when it's really taken into consideration like, oh yeah, this makes the most sense for the movie or this will add something to it. And it most definitely does in this movie. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's not shooting on film just to shoot on film. There's mm -hmm. um, a historic reason yeah. and a greater context. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. So, to talk about the music for a bit. Music by Mika Levi? Micah Levi? Micah Levi, sure Mika Levi. Yeah. Micah Levi. <laughs> I have no idea. But, oh my gosh. It's so incredible. Good. So freaking good. Um, yeah. So she's also just, uh, I think she might be from the UK. She's made um, music with Young Lean. No way. <laughs> so that's the connection <laughs> um, between Young Lean and Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> Who knew it was that close? But, okay, so... <laughs> This chick, she, al she also did the music for Under the Skin. And oh my Marjorie Prime, which is a movie I really want to see. It's like this sci-fi um, with John Hamm. Ooh. Uh, that I've been meaning to see. It looks good. Wait, so she's done, she did Jackie and Under the Skin? Yeah. Those are like two of my favorite soundtracks. Yeah. That's insane. I think she's already gotten much more attention for her soundtracks than her um, just like individual music, music yeah. independent music projects. But yeah, the soundtrack is super distinct and it comes in right away and is a huge part of the vibe of this movie. At some points, it actually rem reminded me a lot of the like swelly sounds in A Christmas Story. Like, mm. Ralphie would just be bummed out in his classroom, and you'd just hear a... Huh. 
you know, or like the bullies yeah. coming up. And th- there's like some of the same sounds in the soundtrack. Oh, shoot, well, one second. Headphones just fell off there. Sorry. sorry. So the, the music for me kind of added to this feeling of, or it sort of, um, it added this level of horror to the movie. Mm. Where straight from the beginning, like those strings kind of make you uncomfortable and there's kind of an eeriness about them. And I think along with Natalie Portman's performance, I feel like this could be almost considered a horror movie. Yeah. It's not like an uplifting soundtrack at all. No, 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 no. It's and it's very not an uplifting dismal. movie. It's, yeah, mean... it's, it's unsettling. It's still beautiful, I think, though. There's some really oh, yeah. beautiful string movements, but that's interesting. Yeah, Natalie Portman's performance could be in the same realm as like uh, Florence Pugh in Florence Midsummer. Florence Pugh, yeah, I could totally see that. In her grieving process, kind of jittery and. And I mean, all over think of a, a more horrifying week in her life. For real. In most people's lives, like that is a. I'm, that is a horrifying thing to happen. So let's talk about Natalie Portman's performance. Yeah, so for me, I think this is her best performance. You think um, this is Natalie Portman's best performance? I think so. You put this over Black Swan? I, I think maybe. Wow. Not by much, because Black Swan, she's absolutely insanely good in Black yeah. Swan. But I think she's better in this. I like Natalie Portman best in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> um, I think she was really able to melt into this role. She adopted the mannerisms, the accent, the rhythm of speaking of one of the most iconic women in history. I think that's a really hard thing to ask someone to do and for me, it worked really well. How about you? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think it was an amazing performance. I thought it was good, but at times it was still kind of distracting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just couldn't stop seeing Natalie Portman. She mm. never totally became Jackie Kennedy for me. I, I feel like Natalie Portman got too caught up in like getting the exact mannerisms and the mm. exact nuances of the accent instead of just trying to embody the essence of Jackie Kennedy, just like her spirit. Mm-hmm. I think she got too caught up in the exterior versus the what's going on inside. I mean, in my I opinion. think we'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> I, I feel like she did it no, all of as them right. best, like... <laughs> no, you're wrong. Fine, fine, you win. <laughs> you win. But we can't say it's a very polarizing performance, which, you know, no such thing as bad press. I mean, you can't say that she's bad in it. You can say that she didn't work as Jackie for you, but you can't say she wasn't great. I can say she wasn't great, but yeah, I can't say she was bad. You you don't think she was great? I thought she was great in the White House tour scenes and then dude, subpar in other scenes. Wow. I don't know. I, I feel like I don't even know who you are. 
What is this? One thing I did after watching this movie, trying to understand who this mysterious Jackie Kennedy really was, I decided to call Grandma Mac. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Donna. So she was in her sophomore year of college when um, I, I, I believe she was in her sophomore year of college when JFK was assassinated. Mm. Um, so she was definitely aware of everything happening. Yeah. So I decided to call her to get some more context of... Um, how the world felt about Jackie Kennedy at that time. And boy, did she deliver. So grandma um, gave me a lot of interesting tidbits. One thing she told me was that something Jackie Kennedy would do, she would write correspondence in a really classy way, which would be like today's equivalent of writing emails. Mm -hmm. And she would use the right stationery. She would say the right things. She wrote the right things. And just an example of the Jackie Kennedy, the Jackie O class, you know? Yeah. And that seemed to be a recurring idea is that Jackie Kennedy, so she's a style icon. She's a fashion icon. Another dimension of her, of her uh, icon Another dimension (laughs) of her iconhood was how cultured she was, her manners, her, like, perfect diction. Um, She she spoke a few languages. She was super educated. She said the right things. You don't see that in this generation. (laughs) (laughs) No, it does sort of feel like this ideal that still exists as an ideal, but we don't really have someone who embodies it um, yeah. nowadays. What grandma was saying, something interesting she said was, as Americans, we secretly want a king and queen. We mm-hmm. never admit that, but we want uh, royalty. We want somebody to worship. People embodying yeah. an ideal that we can worship. And we'd never admit to that because of our Yankee spirit is what grandma said. And I think that's true. She was saying, you know, sometimes the movie stars do that for us. Sometimes it's the athletes who do that for us. But in that era, um, the Kennedys were those icons, those idols of worship for Americans. Um, Do you have a favorite scene? Because I have a couple scenes that I was watching that just really stood out to me. Oh yeah, what scene stood out to you? Um, okay. I think the kind of maybe obvious one is uh, we just see Jackie staring in the mirror kind of right after um, the assassination has happened and she's got blood on her face and you just see the horror in her face of what's just happened and the shock and it hasn't quite settled in yet. I think that's maybe the most memorable scene of the movie. Um, And I think it's also maybe Natalie Portman's best acting in the movie. 
that um, that moment. Or maybe the most powerful. I don't know if it's her best, but it's this just really vulnerable, um, this really vulnerable moment uh, that she plays really well, in my opinion. Uh, the other scene that uh, really hit me at my emotional core was where she's alone in her room and it's after the assassination and she's just sort of dancing around to Camelot, dancing around to Camelot, changing her clothes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was incredible. Oh yeah, I heard, I think it was the director, Pablo, talking about that scene maybe. And Mm -hmm. the way you described it, he was like, look, our fashion icon, Jackie Kennedy, and she can't choose what to wear. Yeah. Just sort of this like loss of identity. Who who even is she now that, you know, her husband died, she's moving out of the White House, what happens next? So are there any scenes that stood out to you? I liked, yeah, I'd say I loved the White House tour. Oh, yeah. That was, that I loved. And then I also loved the the funeral. There was some like really sick overhead shots Mm. at the funeral that were eye candy yeah. to me. Can I just say the dude who plays JFK looks freakishly like John F. Kennedy? Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I thought it was a deep fake. And I was like, no, that's <laughs> like deep fakes aren't that good yet. That has to be real. Deep fakes aren't that good yet. So originally, Darren Aronofsky was going to direct this movie. And Mm -hmm. Rachel Weisz was going to be Jackie Kennedy. She looks more like Jackie Kennedy, for one thing. Yeah, as much as I love Natalie Portman in this, I would be really interested to see Rachel Weisz. Um, um, Wait, yeah, how do you say her last name? I think it's Weisz. Weisz? Oh, Rachel Weisz. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know who also could be interesting? Who? Um, Emrata, Emily, Rada. Huh. How do you say Rada? Emily Radakowski. I don't know. I don't know if I quite trust her acting enough. She was, yeah. She looks a lot like Jackie Kennedy. And yeah. there's this like house tour with her on YouTube where she kind of is trying to do the Jackie <laughs> Kennedy thing. She's like talking about all the huh. paintings in her home and like a. I don't know. She's channeling the sort of cultured Jackie O energy. Yeah. I think it could be good. I think it could be good. I what has what has she acted in though? She was in Gone Girl. Like, she was in Gone Girl. She was like okay, Ben Affleck's yeah. girlfriend. I don't know. That's dude. Okay, going from Ben Affleck's girlfriend in Gone Girl to Jackie Kennedy. That's yeah, a big I don't leap. Know. But that would be interesting. I just feel like she gives off some major Jackie Kennedy vibes already, as hmm. is. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just you saying. You would think that. Um, <laughs> I would think that. What's oh, that another to scene. Um, to go, sorry to go back to the scenes, but... Uh, or even just the line that I love. Yeah. Is at the beginning of the interview, when she's she starts talking and she goes... Something along the lines of, oh, I hope you realize that I'll be editing this conversation. 
Oh, and that's funny. She's like so strong and so confident in that. I thought that was, that's like incredible. Directly after the most traumatizing week of her life. Moment of her life, yeah. Dude, have you watched the house tour? The full house tour is on YouTube. Worth yeah, checking I out. Yeah, I watched it uh, yesterday. Um, there was something I noticed in it. She talks about, like early on in the house tour, she talks about going down to Colombia. And mm-hmm. she visited the presidential palace um, in Colombia that had like a bunch of his- historical artifacts and like furniture that had belonged to Simon Bolivar. And that's part yeah. of what inspired her to, to bring the bring, bring history his- history into the White House. Into the yeah. White House. So I thought that was cool. Shout out to Simon Bolivar. Shout out. Shout out to Colombia. Something this reminded me of was Murder Most Foul. The Bob Dylan song, the like 20 minute long yeah, Bob yeah, Dylan yeah. song that came out. Really that recently. came out during quarantine, like first week of quarantine. Yeah. Whoa, funny. Um, which <laughs> like is a ago. song about the JFK assassination. The day they blew out the brains of the king, thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. So that's a lyric in it. Mm. And it's Isn't referring it? to Kennedy as the king. And that fits into this whole idea of them being royalty, king and queen, Camelot. So to talk about Camelot, the title of this episode is Camelot. I had never been aware of this whole idea of Camelot um, and its association with JFK's presidency and, and Jackie Kennedy as well. But apparently the quote that um, John F. Kennedy love from the musical is don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shining moment that was known as Camelot and that little um, that's sort of been known to describe that era of innocence this perfect America under the Kennedys before mm-hmm. America lost her innocence in his assassination that kind of shook me when I first learned that. Of like, it's this perfect metaphor. Yeah. Like, it all fits together. It really is. End of a decade, start of an age. For real. Shout out to Taylor Swift. Let's give a shout out to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I've been listening to things. her um, new recording of Love Story. As you should. Is it just me or is it pretty different? She like, her voice sounds... <laughs> She does, like, I feel like there's more tasteful production. Her voice is better. Um, I mean, honestly, it's very much the exact same song, but her voice has definitely improved. Um, yeah. And it's in these really subtle ways. But we're not here to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Did you ever watch the James Franco Hulu show? It came out, like, a while ago called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. No. James Franco, he, like, travels back in time to prevent the JFK assassination. <laughs> Is it good? I didn't finish it, but the first three episodes were good. Maybe I'll check it out. You know what I want to I mean, see? I, I want to see the re-watched. Oliver Stone. I haven't seen the Oliver Stone JFK movie. I want to watch that, too. Me either. Yeah, dude. Oh, can we talk for a second about the costumes in this? Because Let's do it. I literally, I wrote in my list, costumes are literally jaw-droppingly gorgeous. Because I, my jaw dropped 
several times in this movie because what of the costumes. costumes made your jaw drop specifically? Um, the... There's like this, I think maybe strapless, like metallic gown she wears at one of the White House parties or something that was so beautiful. Um, I think at the funeral scene with the black veil over her head. Yeah. Over her face. So beautiful. Um, and I think they did an incredible job of recreating uh, like the Chanel tweed suit and, you know, the suit she wears um, during the White House tour, which I also learned um, apparently they made two different suits. Okay. One was red because in real life Jackie's uh, suit was red. Okay. And then one was pink so that they could get the exact right color in the black and white shots. Oh, interesting. Which I love that attention to detail. Part of me wishes that this movie started before the assassination and kind of showed Jackie and JFK in their like glory days. Maybe like I, I visiting the same thing. Yeah, maybe like visiting Paris or, or Mexico, just showing like the happiness and the showing like the Camelot era. Yeah, something to give contrast. A yeah. bit more contrast to it. Might yeah. have made what the movie is, what the movie does show more powerful if you see the contrast. Yeah. And I mean we do get some glimpses into that. Yeah. You know, there are flashbacks. But it would be interesting to have something more substantial. Yeah. I agree. Okay, there is a post on our Instagram that explains our rating system. So if you're confused about that, you can go check it out there. Our Instagram name is etsyketsypod. So what do you rate this movie, Olive? <sighs> I, you know what? I want to hear your rating first because I've got a, I've got a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts? I do. I'm going to rate this movie Kalos. Mm-hmm. I like this movie a lot. There's problems I have with Natalie Portman's performance. I think this movie could be better had it started in the Camelot era, so then you get that contrast. However, I think the look of this movie, the music, the the blend of archive footage and um, footage shot was really great, and it has a lot going for it. And it gave me a much better idea of who Jackie Kennedy was, what she was all about, which was yeah. the goal of this movie. So it's a, it's a strong cause for me. That's, yeah, that's fair. I'll accept that. Okay, good. Um, but <laughs> I do think I have to, and I hate to do this two episodes in a row, but I have to go cataplicticos. Cataplicticos. Um, cataplicticos, because there's so much that um, really worked for me in this movie. Okay. Uh, I can go on and on, but to name a few, the color grading, the costumes, the performances, um, especially Greta Gerwig, which, uh, shout out to Greta Gerwig for surprising both of us in this movie. Um, the score, so much of this was impeccably done. 
I can't in good conscience give it anything less than a cataplicticos. So, that's what I'm giving it. That's fair. Um, cool. Go check out Jackie, everybody. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good one. It's not as good as Olive is trying to make you believe, but it's almost. <laughs> well, it's not as bad as Ralph would make you believe. So, you know. Let's go to news hour. I feel like there has been a fair amount of movie news since we recorded our last episode. Okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because I have not been keeping up on movie news this week. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about a couple things. Um, uh, so Danny Elfman was announced to be scoring Doctor Strange, which, honestly, I'm pretty excited for. Hold up, hold up. Doctor Strange, is there a sequel? that's coming out or yeah. something yeah and I, I think I can't remember when but I'm I feel like it's fairly soon although so Doctor Strange soon for 2 Marvel. is this Doctor yeah. Strange 2 okay it's a it has a more complicated title than that something D- with Danny the multiverse Elfman. or something he did Spider-Man yeah I mean he's done and everything I think, yeah, I think what? is that the only superhero movie he's done oh no Batman didn't he do Batman oh I didn't know that Oh, but I guess it makes sense. <laughs> Let me see. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, but I'm I'm interested to see what he does with that score. Oh yeah, because it was Tim Burton. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that'll That's be why cool. That's obvious. Um, another big thing uh, is Jesse Plemons was announced as the um, lead in the new Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Is that so, going to be like a gangster drama? I don't even know, but from what I gather, Leo DiCaprio was going to be the lead, and then was unhappy with some changes they made in his character, and so now he's going to be a supporting character, and they brought in Jesse Plemons to be the main character. That's cool. Jesse Plemons is going to be rad in a Scorsese movie. Yeah, I'm excited to see him in a in a kind of epic like that. Or he's a good actor. I mean, I assume it's going to be an epic. You know he's a good actor because he doesn't TV. look like a movie star. So you know he's like <laughs> earning his roles. He he actually has talent. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Ed Sheeran Oh yeah, I should thing. say Jesse Plemons, a.k.a. Meth Damon. Meth Damon. Um, which is how I prefer to refer to him as, but... No, but it's the Ed Sheeran yeah. thing. Like, you know Ed Sheeran is talented because he doesn't look like a superstar. So he had to earn hmm. it through... I will uh, say, I saw Ed Sheeran live and he was great. So. Like, great looking, so right? right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was. It was just like him on stage with a little, um, like, looper or whatever they're called. Oh, like, looper pedal? Yeah. Yeah, and it was. It was great. Cool. Shout out to Ed um, Sheeran. <laughs> the only thing I, I did imagine hear. we'd be shouting out Ed Sheeran. <laughs> the only thing okay, I did hear. Was that Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix are teaming up for Ari Aster's next yeah. movie? Also produced, also an A twenty four production. Disappointment <laughs> Boulevard. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, sure if it's going to be... be a horror movie, but I'm kind of hoping it is. I'm, I'm excited because uh, I've liked both of Ari Aster's films. Yeah. Um, and I'm not always the biggest fan of Joaquin Phoenix's performances. But I'm excited to see what he does with um, with Ari Aster. I think yeah. whatever it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we don't have too much information to work with. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I'm like, I feel like there are other actors that I would be more excited about appearing in an Ari Aster movie, but you know, sure. could be great. Um, and Boulevard. I have to say, I disagree with you. I kind of hope it's not horror because I want to see what else Ari Aster can do. Oh, wait, hold on. It's described as an intimate, decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Doesn't sound like a horror to me. No. Well, because I know that, like, originally Hereditary wasn't going to be a horror. It was just going to be a drama, and then he added some horror elements. Yeah. And then Midsommar was originally going to be his first horror movie. But, you know. Yeah. Things change. Um, and then the other big news I saw... Um, was that Edgar Wright is set to direct an adaptation of Stephen King's The Running Man. Which I'm very excited for. I feel like Edgar Wright had like five movies in the works that he was working yeah, on. Yeah, he, docu- he has a documentary that like just premiered at Sundance. He has Last Night in Soho, which was going to come out this spring, but now I think is postponed to October. Last Night in Soho? Yeah. A young girl, passionate about fashion design, is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s, where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. Mm-hmm. Starring and I'm Anya Taylor-Joy. Sure... That'll be good. Yeah. And um, Thomas and Mackenzie. Who, Who's that? I don't know if you saw Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I did. But she was like, she played the Jewish girl in Jojo Rabbit. Um, and I, I'm, I think she's awesome. Cool. She yeah, seems, that'll be cool. Uh, she seems really cool. Yeah. So I think that's it for news hour. Oh, Black Magic Pocket 6K Pro came out. Oh, I did see that. Time to spend all of they our added money. It, they added an eyepiece, so it can be more expensive. Um, <laughs> Cool. Nice. So now let's go. Are we going? To, are we ready to go to pitch deck? I guess so. Yeah. Um. Okay. So our our theme this week was um to pitch a movie set in the nineteen sixties. Uh, honestly, it took me a while to settle on one because I had. All these ideas for Me too. what direction I could I go in. I had to abandon one idea when I saw that it was Oof. basically already a movie. Okay, well, I did find out that the one I went with has been made into, like, a TV movie. Okay. But I don't think that does the story justice. Um, you should go first. I want to hear this. Okay. So, I want a movie about Gloria Steinem's Playboy expose. Which, I don't know if you know about this. But basically, Gloria Steinem goes undercover, auditions for Playboy, gets okay. in, and she is undercover as a Playboy bunny for, I think, like, a couple weeks. Gloria and Steinem, just, she's like a journalist, right? Yeah. So it was, it was, for, um, it was for an article. Um, so for... And, and she's like this feminist icon now. Right, right, And this right. is one of her huge thing she did and it was just horrific she's like yeah you don't get paid anything 
Like you, you make virtually no money. Yeah. It's just constant sexual harassment. Absolutely constant. Yeah. And she's just going on and on. She's like, yeah, why are we supporting this? Here are, here's an article of everything that happened in these two weeks. It's all bad. At the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. Um, and I think that would make such an interesting movie. Whoa. Okay. So she auditions for the role of a playmate. She gets it. Yeah. And then she's just making note of everything that happens. How long yeah. is she a playmate for? I think for a couple of weeks, but I, I can't quite remember. And it should also be noted, she was like older than the allowed age for Playboy at the time, and, or like to be a bunny at the time. And so she, she, she like made a fake ID, changed her age, so she was 24 or something. I think at the time she was 28. Is Maybe Gloria Steinem still remember. alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, she is. Um, but wow, that like, is so cool. That would be such a I haven't cool heard movie. about that. That would be an insane movie. They right? should totally do that. Yeah, I want to see oh, that. You yeah. should make that. I love it. I'll start writing today. Hey, I want to hear your pitch. Um, initially, I wanted to make a movie about when the Beatles went to northern India for the transcendental meditation course. Oh, I wanted snap. to make a so I literally wanted to make a movie where this like this this girl who's a Beatles fan decides to like fly out to India to find them and then just like hang out with the Beatles in India doing transcendental mm-hmm. me- meditation. Uh yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, wouldn't that be rad? <laughs> but I think there's already uh that basically happened. There's a movie called um Meeting the Beatles in India. And this dude, oh. he like, he didn't go on purpose to find the Beatles there. He was just going to find himself in India and ran into the Beatles mm. and ended up hanging out with them. What? Um, th- so this was February 1968. So I abandoned that idea mm. and I, s- I found a new one, okay? So okay. I- I'm cheating. The film I'm pitching actually starts in 1959 and carries on through the 60s. So, I'll allow it. Okay. I'll allow it. So, Oliver, are you familiar with MK Ultra? No. So, <laughs> MK Ultra was the CIA mind control program. Oh yeah. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. Very vaguely. So, early I'm on in the Cold interested. War, <laughs> uh mind control was just this thing that was talked about a lot. There were a lot of movies about mind control, a lot of books about mind control. And there was just a lot of anxiety about this idea of mind control. Um, And the CIA, they got really paranoid that the communists had already mastered mind control. So they were like, shoot, we gotta get on this. Of course. So Sidney Gottlieb, He was the chief chemist of the CIA, and he was kind of like um, one of the key figures in MKUltra, and he did some really horrible things. But a central part of MKUltra is LSD, okay? Mm. So 
the CIA hears about some dude, some chemist in Switzerland named Albert Hoffman, who invented this insane new drug called LSD. So Sidney Gottlieb buys the entire world supply of LSD for the what? CIA to use in experiments, okay? Oh my god. So my movie begins my movie begins in 1959 at Stanford. Okay? Okay. So we're in California, 1959, Stanford. Um, and Allen Ginsberg is at Stanford. And uh, he was living in San Francisco at the time. He volunteers to participate in an LSD experiment at Stanford. And the movie is basically made up of different figures who actually <laughs> participated in MK Ultra. Um, Jerry Garcia of The Grateful Dead, Ken Kesey, who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, basically, it shows the CIA conducting wow. LSD experiments of mind control and then showing how they like accidentally created the counterculture movement, the LSD <laughs> movement. Oh I was God. reading an NPR article about this and here's the quote from it that kind of inspired this whole thing. So the CIA brought LSD to America unwittingly and actually it's a tremendous irony that the drug that the CIA hoped would be its key to controlling humanity actually wound up fueling a generational rebellion that was dedicating to de dedicated to destroying everything that the CIA held dear and defended. Okay, and just one other thing. Wow. In MK Ultra, Whitey Bulger, who was that like big um mob head from Boston, like Johnny Depp played Whitey Bulger pretty recently, like back in 2015. Mm. And he was imprisoned in Georgia. And they fed him LSD every day for over a year. What? Like, a huge part what? of MK Ultra was trying to get people to lose their minds. So they did some really wow. ugly things to people. Um, oh really God. ugly torture. Um, yeah, Sidney Gottlieb, bad dude. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but some really insane things happened. Um, yeah, the CIA brought LSD to America. So that wow. would be my movie. I would watch that movie. All right, yeah, it's time for Guidance Counselor. So I am... I'm going to recommend uh, Where is the Friend's Home slash Where is My Friend's House. Um, it can be called by either. Um, it's a movie that I watched this morning. Whoa. And was so good that I ended it. Oh yeah, I saw and you threw on a five-star letterbox review. Yeah, it ended and immediately I was like, oh yeah, that's one of my favorite movies ever. Whoa. Just instantly. Whoa. It is such a, the, the whole premise of the story is this boy accidentally takes home his friend's notebook from school and his friend will get in trouble if he doesn't return the notebook. So he goes to return the notebook to his friend. That's the whole premise. And the whole movie is just following this kid, walking around, 
trying to find his friend's house. It's, it's so good. Whoa. It's such a simple story and it just really allows the story and the characters to breathe and to just be living their lives as they normally do. And you really just get to see uh, what these people are like and what their lives are like and what their towns are like. And right. it's really beautifully done. Is um, it a foreign film? Is it old? Yeah, it's older. Uh, all the dialogue is in, or almost all the dialogue is in Persian, and it takes place in Iran. Um, okay. And I believe it's from the Ooh. '80s, maybe '84. How'd you it's hear? Currently... How about how'd you hear about this Persian film from the '80s? <laughs> it's a like... it's a pretty well known film, I think. Um, it's just been on my watch list forever. Oh, I really? Think, yeah, I've never I think heard of it. Someone I'm following on Letterboxd has it as one of their favorite films and then I've and then I saw it then and added it to my watch list and since then I've just seen it all over. Okay, um, cool. Wait, what's it called again? But it's it's called either Where is the Friend's Home or Where is My Friend's House. <laughs> um I love it's it. been translated both ways, but if you look up either, you'll find it. It's currently streaming on the Criterion channel. And the director um actually has done a bunch of other movies that I really want to check out. Um, his name is Abbas Kairostami. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but yeah, I'm really interested in, uh, I think I'll try to watch a few of his other films maybe this week or next because wow. Um, so yeah, that's, that's wow. my recommendation. Dude, I love movies that have just like such a simple premise, but me too. And I will say, um, not to ramble on, but uh, I also this week rewatched the Before trilogy. Yeah. And this definitely reminded me of that, of just, it's like conversations, kind of, you know, slice of life. Um, yeah. But just these really simple. It's not about the. It's not about the crazy plot points. It's just about the characters and the conversations and. So is, is it, does it ever get boring? Is he just looking around this, for this no. house the whole time? I, well, I thought it would be because I had seen the premise and I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch a movie about this little kid trying to find his friend's house. Right. But it never gets boring. Um, and I do think the little, the, the little kid in it is awesome. He has like just this energy that he brings the whole time. Um, yeah, it's never boring. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, what's the best way to watch it? Best way to watch Like, in that terms movie. of food and drink and, like, time of day. Like, set the scene. Um, I honestly think uh, the way I did it is maybe the best way to watch it. Um, I watched it. It was the first thing I watched this morning. I started it around 9. Yeah. Right um, off It's the really bat. short. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. Ooh. You know. So easy. Beautiful run um, time. And I didn't, I didn't eat anything during it because, I, because I was so into it. No I was, food. I necessary. didn't want to go to the. I didn't want to get a snack. I, it was just sat and watched and was glued to the screen the whole time. Um, and yeah, honestly, I think that's the best way to watch it. Okay, I want to hear your recommendation. I want to hear your guidance. 
Shall we I gotta see? watch that movie. Looking yeah. for my friend's house. Looking where is my friend's where house? Where is my friend's house? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna recommend. I feel like you might have seen this movie. Um, I'm recommending Let's the see. end of the tour. I have not. So it's Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Segel. Mm. Jesse Eisenberg plays uh, David Lipsky, who was this writer for the Rolling Stone. And mm-hmm. it's based on true events, based on this time when David Lipsky went on assignment to interview David Foster Wallace um, after uh, Infinite Jest was published. Mm. So Infinite Jest was like David Foster Wallace's magnum opus. Yeah. Um, one of the more recent, like, great American novels. And the movie is just David Lipsky going and interviewing David Foster Wallace. Jason Siegel plays David Foster Wallace. It's a really good performance. And they're in snowy Illinois, I think, is where they are. Maybe Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just uh, in snowy middle America. They just hang out and talk. It's a good movie. Yeah. I wish there were more movies like it. And since it's snowy, it's set in snowy Illinois, I would recommend to watch it in the wintertime. Preferably mm. with snow outside, I think would fit nice. And there's a lot of really great dialogue, so you should definitely be like awake and aware when you watch this. Not like right mm. before you fall asleep. Um... Yeah, it's a good one. The end of the tour. Yeah. Check it out. I want to. Uh, it might be my awesome. favorite Jason Siegel performance, too. What? Oh, wait. We forgot. We forgot to do our double feature recommendation. Oh, that's the most important. The most important part, yeah. Um, What's your double feature recommendation? Okay, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, my double feature recommendation is Lars von Trier's Melancholia. Whoa. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. I have. I, uh, I, I really like Melancholia. I love that movie. And I think it works as a double feature because, um, both movies are kind of about grief to a certain extent. Um, and they both depict grief in these really subtle ways. Uh, but also there are similarities and these major differences as well. Um, you know, obviously Jackie is about one person's death. Melancholy is about the fear of everyone's death. Um, and I think they're, they're both led by these really strong female performances. Uh, Kristen Dunst in Melancholia and Natalie Portman in Jackie. And I think they're both incredible performances that really anchor the movie and yeah i think they would make a really interesting double feature what's yours um no wait that sounds perfect like (laughs) that just sounds right right i was really excited when i thought of it yeah they're very similar in a lot of ways both are pretty slow not very plot driven it's more just about being there with the characters being there with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Both are sad movies. Definitely. Um, 
Yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. Good recommendation. I'm going to recommend you watch Jackie. You paired Jackie with Mad Men, Season 3, Episode 12, The Grown Ups. <laughs> oh, is that... It's when um, Sterling Cooper, everybody sees the news of the assassination. There's also a scene where you see Betty wow. Draper and their like housemaid hear the news on TV and then they both just like break down and cry yeah. at the Draper household. Huh. You just see the reactions of just like the outside world of just Americans to the assassination. Um, I was reading a bit about the episode, and Matthew Weiner, the like Mad Men showrunner, mm-hmm. he said uh, they decided to name this episode "The Grown Ups" because it's it was a lot of people realizing that they're orphaned, or that their father is gone, that it's just time to mm. be an adult, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about of America's loss of innocence. Um, mm. Death yeah. of a King. Yeah. So I think it would be cool to watch Jackie and then watch throw on that episode of Mad Men. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I I really I really do kind of wanna rewatch that episode of Mad Men now. Yeah, me too. Dude. Yeah, that's a great one. What are we watching next week for next week's episode? Uh oh oh Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Okay. Blade Runner. So next week we will be Which talking about seen. Blade Runner 1982. Oh, dude, yep. you haven't seen it? This I is going to be a good Blade episode. Runner. I'm very excited. Yeah, so go watch Blade Runner. That's what we'll be talking about next week. Thank you for tuning in so much. It has been a pleasure. This has been Etsy Ketsy episode two, Camelot. One brief shining moment. This episode was One known as Camelot. Moment. Okay, see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye.